Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. Here is Northumberland County CAO Jennifer Moore talking about the early opening of its warming room. It is a joint project of the County Transition House and St. Peter's Anglican Church. It was scheduled to open on December 5th. Instead, it opened on November 30th. Hear why this was done, but also learn some of the details, especially how the $250,000 annual budget is spent. I'm so pleased to welcome Chief Administrative Officer of Northumberland County, Jennifer Moore. Welcome back to Consider This. Thanks, Rob. It's nice to be here. The county announced it was opening its warming room on November 30th, earlier than expected. Can you tell us the reason for this decision? I think as we were going through the the plans, we were able to get the the facility uh, up and running um, a a little bit in advance. Uh, So then we decided to move ahead and uh, and find some staffing um, to get that extra four or five days ahead of what was planned so that it was available for uh, our vulnerable members of the community. Were there any other factors besides the fact that there, there were some logistical advantages that took place? Were there any other reasons? No, I think we we simply looked at it and we were able to make it happen. And, and we uh, were certainly listening to the community that they felt there was a need. And uh, since we could make it happen, we moved ahead with that. For those who might not know, can you give us some details about the warming room, where it is and how it works? Mm-hmm. So the warming room, it's a partnership uh, with the County Transition House and St. Peter's Church. Uh, It's located in Coburg. It will be open uh, 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. every single day uh, from now until the end of March. Um, It will have, um, it is um, a warming room, so it's not a shelter, but it'll have a place for folks to have a respite out of the weather. There'll be washrooms, light refreshments, that sort of thing available uh, for anyone that that chooses to, uh, to use the facility. Do people sleep there? Uh, no. It, so there's there's no cots or 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 mattresses or or bedding or anything like that. Um, it is is not intended to be a, a facility where folks sleep. Now, surely though, being that it's overnight, you know, surely people must close their eyes or nap or lie down on the floor or something. Uh, is well, is that permitted? There there's there's furnishings, yes. Uh, so so folks, um, you know, they they may choose to doze, but I think. Um, often we see um, there's some conversations can happen with the staff that are there, um, and they can certainly uh, provide some um, some supports and or connect folks with supports. Uh, of course, there's like I said, refreshments available. Uh, we often find folks don't don't stay at the at the facility all evening. They may come and go um, as they as they wish. So um, no, oftentimes um, it is a, an in and out there for periods of time. Maybe come back um, whatever they're comfortable with and whatever they feel their need is. 
In a press release that you the county sent out, you said the county expedited the preparations. Um, and you've referred to it already in our conversation. Just for those people who don't understand, what's actually involved in getting a warming room ready for people to use? Well, I, I guess you can imagine there's some facility preparations. Of course, the what we're using, it is a location um, in a church. So that facility is used for other things um, the rest of the year. So uh, we have to make sure that there's uh, appropriate furnishings. Um, we uh, do make sure there's some safety and security features. It has to be, you know, there's a you know fridge and in, in, in that, so there can be the refreshments prepared. Of course, we have to make sure that it's all um, the fire department inspects and we're compliant with all the health and safety standards. And then of course there's the staffing um, and that's really the role that Transition House is playing. So they, they do need to coordinate having appropriate staff um, lined up for their shifts. And also all of those staff have to be trained and oriented to make sure that they're um, properly uh, prepared to deliver the service and that, that they can offer the assistance and, and oversight of the facility. Now, did anyone from the town reach out to you to discuss the need to open a warming room early? Or did any members of the public reach out to the county and say, you know, hey, uh, things are going on, the weather's changing, you know, you guys should open up sooner? Uh, I, I did. I did receive. I think uh, one one email from from someone that that did um, that did make a request. But uh, generally, um, there wasn't anything formal that that came in. Um, we of course see the social media like everybody does, and we we know some of the the conversations that are happening in the public. But um, that's certainly not uh, formal requests. Uh, and I think that one of the the main considerations here is also where we. Um, we, we talk very regularly with Transition House and monitoring what the status is of shelter beds and what's available at that facility. And, and we know that um, throughout the period of time, there has consistently been some level of capacity there. Um, so we, we do know that there was some assistance available in the community if folks needed it. Do you have any idea of just how much of a capacity there is at the, shelter, at the Transition House right at the moment? Um, I don't have today's stats. I do know that there was our rooms available throughout the weekend. I did uh, have an update uh, on uh, on Monday before before we opened the shelter, um, and they did consistently have availability. I think I think there was at, at least five or seven spaces available over the weekend. I forget the exact number. It kind of varies from night to night as folks choose to come and go. But um, they did have capacity, and and um, we've been looking at some quarterly data, and we do know that um, throughout the past year. Uh, on average, on a on a quarterly basis, there's consistently been capacity, um, almost almost on a on a nightly basis. Um, there may be occasional times when they're at capacity, but generally, um, there are some beds available. In your press release, you acknowledge the efforts by volunteers to open a warming room at St Andrew's Church. Did you have any contact with the organizers or the church about this? Uh, I did not directly. Um, our staff um, did have have some, but very limited contact. It was largely uh, something that the community group chose to do, and, and they worked um, worked with the, with the church and, and coordinated. And, and we really, you know, it, it's great that our our community is is a very caring community, and and they want to offer assistance where they can. Uh, but it was uh, it was really um, community led, and, and and they they did that uh, on their own. Did the county offer any support to them in their initiative? Uh, no, we, we didn't uh, directly offer support. I think that um, many, many of the folks that were involved have relationships with, with the county and, and they certainly know how to, to contact us. Uh, many sit at various 
working groups together. Uh, so so they they do uh, they do have those ongoing relationships where they they know what services we offer and, and what's available and 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 they they know how to contact for those resources if required. A few weeks ago, there was a major snowstorm. The temperatures dropped. Why did the county not open its warming room at that time when there was such a great need? Well, the the, the facility simply wasn't ready at that point in time, and we didn't have any staffing available. Um, the the target date was uh, early December, so that's what we had been working towards, which is actually much earlier than we've opened previous years. It's usually been much later in December that we've opened. Uh, and when we look at what other communities offer for their facilities, it is often mid to late December when the weather is consistently um, colder and, and and more likely to be inclement. Um, so it 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 was on schedule, but we we certainly didn't have a facility that we could open up and. Um, for those that are familiar with the type of operations that the county has, we don't have buildings of our own that can accommodate a shelter, which is why we've partnered with the church. We, we don't have those types of community spaces. Um, we tend to be office buildings and operations buildings and social housing and, and things where it, there is not a suitable uh, location to have uh, folks come in and, and use spaces. Um, we, just, we just don't have that available. Um, and that's why it takes us some time to prepare a site and, and find partners where we can rent space. Jennifer, cold temperatures at night have taken place for quite some time now. I mean, we could go back and look at late October. It started getting quite cold and uncomfortable if you were out sleeping in the rough. Why is a warming room not treated like snow plowing of the roads? You know, when the snow starts, the plows go out. There's no fixed date. It begins when there is a need. Why is a warming room not the same for the county? Well, I think we need to look at how we define uh, the need of a warming room. And again, we know there's capacity in the shelter. So there, there was a, a place available for folks to go. We do know that, that that's not, um, not suitable for, for some, but um, it, it, it's a, generally speaking, it is there and it, it is available. Um, there's also a number of, of supports that they could, could get um, with the housing diversion um, initiatives that are available through Transition House, even if they um, aren't able to physically be there. Um, there is still um, some supports that they can can help divert them to. Uh, when we look at the warming room, as I said, it's something that it requires consistent regular staffing. Um, we can't just, um, you know, we, we don't have folks that are just on call that we can open a room for a day here or a day there. And I think we also need to look at some of the data and, and we're just starting to, to look at some of those trends and usage. Having a warming room is fairly new to the county. Um, we did not operate any um, until we got into COVID and we had some specific one-time funding from the province that allowed us to try some new um, new initiatives uh, in, in the way that we respond to our vulnerable population. So what we're seeing, and, and while we do, do see that some of those nights were, were cold, um, they were not cold at a level where we see significant usage based on previous years. And, and we see very little usage um, at, at what we've seen recently. Um, we see when it gets much colder, we see a spike in, in interest and usage of, of the warming room. And that's what we've seen in the past. And again, like I said, it's very consistent with what um, other communities do and what their policies are on, on opening warming rooms. And um, you know, we have limited resources and we really try and allocate those resources where, where they're most effective. And there's a lot of programs that housing and homelessness dollars go to beyond the shelter system and beyond a warming room. Um, and it's very important that we allocate some of those dollars to keeping people housed. So rent subs and, and shelter benefit and, and some of the, um, the various um, rent subsidy programs that we have in our, in our own housing units that we operate 
So all of those things are important ways that the county does support the population beyond just having a warming room. That That's only one tool. But does it open up uh, an opportunity for the county to start thinking or debating the, the need for more flexibility so that, you know, when there is a freak snowstorm that maybe there are contingencies? Are there lessons learned? And how do those get applied, I guess, is my question. Well, we, we're constantly monitoring what are best practices in, in the sheltering community, what, what other service managers are doing, what other communities are trying. Um, there's some different models. Our model is, you know, at, at this point with us being open um, this early, we're probably actually, um, it is a more flexible model at this point than what may, many of our neighbors are doing. Uh, we know that some communities, for example, won't open unless a shelter is beyond capacity in some of those restrictions. So um, this is probably a step towards more flexible and, and for a community our size, um, it is probably more flexible than what, what others offer. I know, I know that's still a restriction for some, but um, again, it's balancing what resources we have, both, uh, both the financial and, and the ability to staff and have a physical location. Uh, we are undergoing uh, a review of the homelessness system across the county. Um, we hope that that will be available. Uh, we're doing consultation um, through a variety of sources now. Um, that should have information available early in the new year. Um, to look at what some of those recommendations are, um, and that will also help shape future years' planning. When you're doing those consultations, are you talking to people with lived experience? Uh, there's a whole broad range, and some of that it reaches just starting now. So um, I, I don't have in front of me who who everyone will be, uh, but I know some of them. I know some were just going out, you know, just this morning. Some of that that was happening. Uh, so um, who all will be consulted? I'm, I'm not not exactly sure off the top of my head, but there, there will be a broad community consultation. Um, and again, uh, we have a wide range of community partners uh, that will have an opportunity to provide some insight into that that are um, delivering either services directly or or support services uh, that will get to uh, to share some of their thoughts. You alluded to this earlier, and I want to come back to it, and that is the staffing of the warming room. Um are there any special qualifications that these people have to have to to do to do the job of looking after the warming room? Uh, are there certifications? Like, what sorts of things does it take? Just because some people may not know or appreciate why you know it's so important that transitions houses involved, et cetera. So, would you mind elaborating upon that, please? I, I can elaborate a little, but uh, my knowledge is because I'm not a direct uh, uh, service delivery partner here. Um, it, it is the responsibility of Transition House to, to do that training, but it's going to be involve uh, general health and safety. Um, they're going to make sure that they're trauma informed and they understand um, and appreciate some of the, the experiences of the clients of the warming room. Um, also some training on how to care for themselves for um, what they will hear and see while they're in that role. Um, so so there is, there is um, a variety of training. Um, Transition House could better speak to the, the exact training program. Why can't volunteers do it? Or why aren't volunteers used? Uh, we've seen the, at the other warming room, they've used volunteers and to some level of success. Why does the county not use volunteers and maybe, uh, again, be able to open it longer or, or expand its services? Well, I think, again, we, we have an agreement. Transition House is actually the operator. So we are the funder. Um, and, and I think that you know, I, that might be a question whether uh, Transition House, as they become more established in delivering warming room services, um, perhaps they, they will be able to to involve uh, volunteer supports. And, and I think there's also, 
There's also the idea that, that um, folks can support uh, our community in many different ways. And, and there is, you know, directly volunteering and there's also helping um, through uh, financial donations or in-kind donations or, or ways that, that we can help all of our community um, nonprofits that that support the vulnerable, uh, whether it be Transition House or, or uh, Cornerstone or, or United Way or Salvation Army or, or all the others that are doing that outreach work. Um, and volunteers, either with their time or with their funds, are, are able to support all of that and, and help to expand services as well. Again, in the press release, you mentioned that there will be daytime stir services, excuse me, starting on December 9th. Twice a week, people can go to the warming room at St. Peter's in the daytime and receive on-site support. Can you tell us what that includes? So there, it'll, there's a, a schedule that they're, they're working through, and, and they'll have a variety of, of services and supports offered at different times. It'll include things like wellness checks, vaccine clinics, crisis intervention, uh, housing, um, housing search supports, um, addiction and harm reduction supports, uh, as well as outreach from Ontario Works and, and other social services. So uh, it'll be a number of different community agencies that will have some time and space available there um, to, to interact with the clients, depending on what services they need. And, and that's also part of what we do when we have our warming room is that folks are, there is a conversation when they come in so that they, they work to collect some data to understand what supports the clients need, and that can help shape our programming. The county has a budget of $250,000 from the county levy and provincial funding to operate the warming room. Can you break down the expenditures to help people understand how tax dollars are being spent? So of, of those funds, um, they, they come from a few different sources. Some of them are levy dollars, some are, are some pockets of, of funding that we get from, from the province. It's a combination. Uh, of course, we have to pay to lease the space. Um, there are um, staffing costs, and that, that's our partnership with Transition House, that those are, are dollars that we pay to them so that they will pay their staff to, to operate, um, either staff or, or supports from, from external contractors, security, that sort of thing. Uh, and then there's also some support, some um, dollars required to outfit and, and get the room um, prepared and up and running, cleaning costs, uh, all of those sorts of things as well. So, um, you know, it's it's your basic your basic budget. It's it's your people. It's your location, and then um, a few operating dollars. There may be some people who are listening today that may might think that's a lot of money, a quarter million dollars. What would you say to them? I, I think it's it's really when you think about it, it's four months, it's seven days a week, twelve hour shifts. Um, so that that has to to all be staffed, and um, it it, had, it has to you know be staffed at a at a fair fair pay, obviously. Uh, and they have to be individuals that are prepared, and they have to have the resources there to make sure that it's an appropriate um, location. So we have to have a space that people can can spread out, they can be safe, they can be comfortable, and, and we can have the facilities that we need. And, you know, every everything we do, it, it does cost money. And, and we're seeing those costs for everything go up. Um, it doesn't matter which service we offer. Uh, and, and in order to offer this level of service, it, it is the, the cost of, of, of having that for this period of time. Have you ever, as part of your budgetary reviews, looked at how much it costs per person that you serve? Uh, we, we, as I said, we're, we're fairly new to this, um, because we did start during, um, during COVID. And of course, some of those costs were a little bit distorted, uh, because there was additional hygiene requirements. There was different spacing requirements and some of those things. So, uh, we've actually talked about that in this year is probably where we're going to start to get some more, um, reliable, stable data. 
So I think as we go forward, we're measuring costs, we're measuring usage, we're measure, measuring all of those things. Um, and when we, when we complete this year, uh, we'll be able to look at last year, we'll be able to look at this year and we'll start to actually see um, some of those and do a little more analysis. I think it's a little bit preliminary um, because COVID did, you know, like so many things, it, it really did distort um, how things were used and how costs were incurred. Uh, so going forward, I think we'll have much better data and we'll be able to analyze that. Is there sufficient need in Coburg for two warming rooms? Uh, I, I, I guess that depends on, on who you ask. I think our data um, would indicate that um, based on, on what we do know uh, about usage, like I said, um, it's fairly limited uh, with what we have historically. Uh, but between that and shelter capacity, um, I think uh, our position would be that um, our, our system is reasonably well served at, at this point. Uh, but um, we are, as I mentioned, doing the review. And I think that will give us some insight uh, whether there's any learning that we can um, take from, from other service providers. Um, if we need to uh, modify what we have, whether we need to expand it, I think those those things are, are all up for consideration. Uh, the other thing that we need to really um, take into consideration is these services are all located in Coburg uh, and the county serves the entire county. And um, right now um, we are not allocating budget dollars to the other communities across Northumberland. And I think those are some of the things that we will also be looking at in our future response in, in um, the fact that basically all, all of our resources at this point are going to one, one community, be it our largest. And we, and we know this is uh, where most services are, are located. So there's a, re, a, a good rationale for that, but nonetheless, we do need to, to assess the services needed in all of our other uh, communities across the county. Are you aware of any other uh, initiatives by municipalities or by citizen groups to organize warming rooms or, or in places outside of Coburg? I, I have seen uh, through the media that there is some activity uh, and there has been some basic outreach um, to our staff for some preliminary information. Um, and I, I believe Port Hope is working on something, but we're not directly part of that. But nowhere else in the county? Uh, not that had, had anyone has contacted uh, me. Um, I'm not sure if they're working on anything or not, but um, nothing that we're formally aware of. Would you help them if they reached out and asked for it? Uh, absolutely. And I, and I think that's, you know, even, even communities that want to offer something on a smaller scale, we certainly have, uh, you know, we have what's a best practice. What, what are the, the basic things you need for health and safety? What are, what are some of the recommended training or, or what do you offer at a, at a warming room? We have all those best practices and, and we're certainly willing to share that knowledge. So even, even if we're not in a position to, to be the funder and operator, we can certainly collaborate with others and help make sure that they can offer a, a safe facility if they, if they want to open something up. So where do we go from here? <laughs> I, I think the staff uh, are very dedicated and I think it's con continuing to evaluate and look at, at what we have. Um, look at the needs in the community, but also to make sure that we're not losing sight of all of the other supports and, and how important they are. Um, homelessness is, is only one, one, one place in the continuum, and a lot of the other resources are really important. And I think it's also um, very important that we continue to talk to our other levels of government. Um, you know, we, we often hear that you know, municipal governments only get eight cents of every tax dollar, uh, yet this is a very big is the big thing to solve uh, when we get such a small portion of the tax dollars. And, and many of the requirements uh, of those in the community that are using shelters and warming rooms, they need supports that are far beyond 
um, the, the scope or expertise of the county. They need mental health supports and addiction supports. And we, we know that many folks are, are experiencing or at risk of homelessness because they're receiving other types of assistance like OW or ODSP, and, and they struggle with their, their housing benefits and, and actually paying for housing with the increasing costs of, of rent and so on. So all of those things are often outside of our scope and, and we need to continue to um, see action from our other levels of government as our partners um, that we're only one piece of this. Jennifer Moore, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. You're very welcome. That was Jennifer Moore, CAO of Northumberland County. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.